Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on today's Word for the Day, we continue our series on human sexuality. We're still thinking about homosexuality, and we've done a number of episodes on this because um, it's a real live issue in the culture, and it's a live issue we as believers have to walk through. And for some of us, you know, it's closer than others. And and it's a it's a, a dividing point between the church and culture, and it's important I think to to have some good um, tools to to navigate that. So I want to talk a little bit, and again, short form podcast can't do the deepest dive possible, <clears throat> but I want to talk about it how Christians account for the, how the Christian tradition and the scriptures account for same sex attraction. So let me start with kind of what I what I think is sort of the boilerplate cultural position. And again, a, a, a professional therapist would, who who operates from this framework would have more complexity than I'm going to get into. But essentially, I think what, what we hear and what most people think is we use the use language of orientation. And what we mean by that is this is something indelible to a person's nature um, that's, that's really essential to who they are. Um, unchangeable uh, certainly someone can refrain from behavior but it's it's baked into their very nature and so um it it's not just sort of a, a, a feeling or a temptation or a desire i live with and i'll talk about how christians understand that in a minute it's it's really it's really essential to me so that's where it becomes part of my identity and um so because of that, therefore, um, the logic follows, and, and it makes sense given the starting point that, that it's, it's profoundly unjust to deny someone the freedom to live out those desires and attractions and longings because they're um, as an indelible part of who they are as a person and their nature as perhaps my skin color is or my, or my gender, um, etc. So that, that's, that's simple, but that's kind of where their culture comes from. And like I said, if you start from that point, boy, the Christian position doesn't make sense. It makes more sense to say, wow, you know, this is this is who this person is. It is core to their identity. They must be free to live this out. It's only logical. But I've hinted at this and kind of mentioned it, but, but the Christian position is different. So in the Christian and biblical tradition, which we believe is from God and rooted in a revelation from God is that um, um, sexual desire is is part of our makeup as human beings, but sexual desire can be directed <clears throat> either properly or improperly, just like all kind of human endowments are. So any sexual desire that would tend to move me away from God's will is not essential to my nature, but it's a manifestation of original sin. So original sin is a Christian, excuse me, a Christian doctrine that says basically this, that um, by virtue of being born as a human being, after the point in history when humanity rebelled against God, I inherit um, a propensity and a proclivity to sin. I'm, I'm corrupted, and I have things in my psyche, in my mind, in my emotions, even from 
as early as I can remember, that draw me away from God. That's number one. Number two, there are different things for different people. This is something uh, Christian teachers and pastors have recognized for 2,000 years. So to use a different example, and again, this is not as momentous, but I don't mean it to be glib. I just mean it to be illustrative. You know, um, some people are born from, from the earliest age with a propensity to laziness. Laziness is actually sinful. It's, it's wrong to be lazy. Some people just seem to have this, they're just diligent, you know? And other people are just kind of have a propensity to laziness. But we wouldn't say, well, that's intrinsic to who they are. That's their identity. They need to live into it. We'd say, no, no, that's an unhealthy behavior pattern. And they're going to have a bigger struggle to overcome it. But they're called to do that as disciples of Jesus. So by analogy, and again, the struggle with same-sex attraction and and the emotional turmoil that goes with that, and and when people own up, kind of kind of not own up, um, open up about that, you know, it's 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 a way bigger emotional and sometimes traumatic thing than struggling with laziness. I get that, so please don't mishear me. But by way of analogy, um, some people seem to be born with or 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 over time discover within themselves this attraction, in the biblical and Christian approach would be this is part of their temptation structure. And we all have temptation structures in us that we all have to work through. So in many ways, my understanding, I'm not an expert on this. So if there's a therapist listening and I'm getting this history wrong, please correct me. But my understanding is really that even in the in the therapeutic community, it's probably within the last century or a little longer maybe with the rise of Freudianism or things around that, where, where, where the outlook became that this reality was something that's like indelible to the human person. I could be wrong about that. I don't want, don't, don't hold me on that, but it definitely is a more modern conception in the West. So, so if you take the Christian position that it's not indelible and essential to who I'm as a person, but it's part of the temptation structure that kind of lays over who I am, then our logic about how to deal with it makes sense. So, so the key thing is what, what's going on in the human psyche and the human soul with this, this desire and this attraction. If it is as culture says, then, then really the way culture has navigated and the way we've built into our, our legal system the right of, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, marriage for people of same gender, because from a Christian perspective, that, that can't be a marriage because marriage is only between a man and a woman. But... But that makes sense. But if you have a Christian starting point, then then that we'd say is no. The person who lives with same sex attraction needs the pastoral care of the church, the nurture of the church, the disciple making ministry of the church, and the discipline of the church to help them. Like we all need help to live holy lives, and especially holy lives in terms of our sexuality. Um, one Christian thinker, a guy named John Wesley often talked about how we all have infirmities because of our sinfulness. And what he meant by that is kind of um, things that are in in us that can lead us to be tempted to, to, to move away from God. And, and they, they're infirmities, they're struggles, they're, they're, they're like illness, spiritual illness, and we have to cope with them. And we didn't ask for them, but we're born into a broken, sinful world. And part of that is we're, we inherit the sinfulness um, and, and eventually we act on it. And of course, Christ came to redeem that. So also, so, so 
So therefore, um, same-sex attraction would be understood as an infirmity that someone has to live with, just like we all have different infirmities. Last thing I want to say, the gospel applies to everyone, to everyone, and to every sin. So um, no matter what sexual sin I've engaged in, um, the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus cleanses it. No matter what sexual sin I've engaged in, God's forgiveness and mercy is utterly available. It's extreme mercy. That means I can fail and get up and fail and get up and fail and get up, and mercy is always available. Always. Number one. Number two. This means none of us can stand in judgment over someone who lives with this infirmity because we have our own infirmities, and some of them are sexual infirmities. I think every human being except Jesus Christ is broken sexually, so no one has room to point a finger and no one has room to judge. Um, And then um, everyone is invited and encouraged, no matter what their infirmity is, to bring it into the life of the church so Jesus can touch it and redeem it. So um, that's a a real sort of from-the-hip, simple answer to the Christian perspective of how we account for same-sex attraction. Um, Again, we could do a deep dive theologically and really dig into that, but I'm going to stop there and kind of leave that there, and maybe there's questions created, and, you know, if you have ability to contact me, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to chat about this um, more or maybe point you to uh, different resources. Um, And I might in my last podcast, which is the next one, where I sort of sum up the whole series, uh, mention uh, a couple resources uh, you can look at if you want to do a deep dive. God bless and have a great day.